to another episode of Swing Thoughts. Now in our third year, uh, closing in on 100 podcasts featuring some of the most interesting, accomplished, informative people that talk and teach golf from around the world. Uh, we've been very lucky over the course of time. Tim and I, I think uh, I'm, I'm totally grateful for this experience, not only because I've gotten to know you so well, but... Just the, uh, the the access to the the human beings we get to interact with because we're such golf nerds, but a particular but a, a particular kind of golf nerd. I mean, I love talking the golf swing till the cows come home. But the the idea of there's a, another game being played is something I think that first drew us. Uh, to want to do a show together. You mean the types of golfers who, like, stare holes in the ceiling? <laughs> That's right. Practices. The types of golfers like you. He just told me, just told me uh, before we started the show, he goes, I woke up at 3 in the morning and I read Hebron's book for half an hour. <laughs> um, anyway, this is uh, Swing Thoughts. Once again, proud to be brought to you by TaylorMade Golf the number one driver in golf again. And Timmy and I are stoked. We're getting our new M5 uh, drivers and M5 M6. We're getting fitted next week. Also brought to you by Adidas or Adidas. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the coming weeks, we're going to tell you about a promotion where you guys can win some Adidas swag. And also sponsored by Clublink. We're both uh, happy to be part of the Clublink organization. Uh, I do uh, some hosting for them. Tim does some training for them. And we're happy to have them along as uh, one of our sponsors. Um, a few months ago, Tim introduced me to this uh, name, uh, a teacher I'd never heard of. And uh, it was, uh, to full disclosure, sometimes we'll tape two or three shows in a row in the studio here. And I think that day, it was our third interview. It was. And so oftentimes, the turnaround between shows is shorter and uh, I just was, Tim put some something in front of me and I read it quickly. And then we interviewed this character. And then I went away and I started re <coughs> researching uh, our guest today. And uh, I just got to tell you, I said to Tim, I just said, we got to get him back on the show because now I, I just want to like go live with him and be his <laughs> apprentice. And I just want to be like around him. Uh, let me just say, it's an honor to have uh, this gentleman back on our show so quickly. He um, has been, all I want to tell you, Swing Thought listeners, <clears throat> is do what I did. Go Google this character, this gentleman, who has been teaching the game of golf for a very long time. And I think, Michael Hebron, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Glad to be here. Michael, I, I got to say that, it would it be fair to say that for many years, Michael was a traditional... You know, very, very decorated teacher. You were one of the first PGA of America master professionals. You've conducted teaching seminars in 30 countries around the world. And for a very long time, you were on a very traditional path. And then something changed the way that you thought about the game of golf. And it's produced a whole other lifetime of understanding. And, and that's where we'll start today. So welcome back to our show. Well, thank you. Yes, uh, I, I think that's fair to say. I was uh, we're cursed with words, uh, but let's say this, uh, this perhaps technical teachers, um, and uh, I, I think I would describe myself as one of those at one time. I was golf machine trained and 
um, I was in charge of the lesson. I was uh, making details of the golf swing very, very important. And then uh, one day, um, it came to me, I was PJ Teacher of the Year, and a lot of people were paying attention to my work. And um, I realized that uh, this pursuit guru, um, some of the people I was working with weren't, weren't really making the kind of progress I thought their abilities were capable of. And my awe moment was that um, uh, I knew nothing about learning. Anything that's in a book or anything that the coach says uh, is available on the internet today. Uh, so it's not it's not really the information that's important. It's it's what it's how it's said. And I took ninety hours of courses at Harvard. They have a their graduate education program at Harvard has a connecting mind-brain to education institute. I found a way to take 80 hours of uh, workshops with teaching at the Brain and Mind Institute. I was invited out to UCLA's learning lab, which is kind of an interesting story. Uh, the head of the lab is Dr. Robert Borg, and I do, I do a lot of self-education. I'm very fortunate and flattered to be asked to uh, as you said, I get to go all over the world and share ideas. And uh, and I, that's what I'm doing. I'm sharing. I'm not selling. Where it falls on a scale of 1 to 10 is, is up to the listener. But uh, I was at one of the universities out west, uh, I think Arizona State, and uh, at a conference, and Dr. Borg was one of the speakers. And uh, I walked up to say hello, and he says, Michael Hepburn. And I said, uh, well, what's that all about? He says, oh, we all, we all follow your blog on learning. By that time, by the time I met Robert Borg, I had been into sharing information in a learning way based on how the brain learns. And uh, his, uh, some of his professors, he was, a, uh, he was actually a very, good, is a very good golfer and was uh, one of the, uh, got a scholarship to college, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so it was very exciting for me, this this man of letters mm. who recognized little old me at the time. But I think it's fair to say there are uh, there's an approach that uh, is uh, golf swing oriented approach, and then there's a playing approach to golf. That uh, we play golf, we don't play golf swing. Players win, golf swings don't win. Um, and that was kind of the path I started on and I'm still on. I just had, uh, last week, uh, was very uh, flattered to uh, be inducted into the World Golf Teachers Hall of Fame. Amazing. Which is, Congratulations. Which, is by, which was run by Golf Magazine. But uh, some, of the, some of the differences, I would say, or uh, the first thing I would do with somebody, I'd ask them to uh, how they're trying to play golf. I'd ask them to give me some instruction. You know, how are you? T if I went to a chef and I said, "Geez, I just made these cookies, chef, and they taste horrible," 
<laughs> he would say to me, well, how'd you try to make them? So a big key about learning is everything's based on <coughs> our past experiences and what we already know. Uh, in a sense, there is no new learning. The, the new or different information that comes in is immediately attached to what we already know. That's why we say to somebody once in a while, could you say that again, please? I didn't quite understand what you said. And it doesn't even have to be from the same subject. So when people give me instruction, you know, which, if you like my grip and my posture, what would you tell me about the backswing? What would you tell me about the downswing? Or their ideas of how they're trying to play golf. And that's, that's my starting point. Then I might say to them, um, if, you were, if you were in medical school or if you were in law school, a couple of roommates could probably help themselves get through medical school and law school. And the client would say yes. I said, but could you teach somebody to be a doctor? Could you teach somebody to be a lawyer? And the guys on Wall Street who take the Series 7 before they get their license, I said, yeah. You could help somebody to pass the Series 7, but you couldn't teach them to be a broker. So that kind of sets the stage for moving forward, that this is going to be a learning environment, not a teaching environment. So, Michael, if I may just interject for a second, because I want to give some context to the listeners. You know, Mike, back to how we introduced you, you were a very sort of traditional... Uh, instructor, highly regarded PGA of America. You you had this award winning award winning, sh- and you had a shift in the way you thought about learning outside in versus inside out, and all that. I, I'm curious before we get back into some of the because here's what happened. Since I met you last time on this show, I went away and I read Play to Learn Golf, and I've been sending Tim and everyone else that will listen Mike Hebron quotes like weekly. Every time I will come across something in your book, I'll go, oh, my gosh, I've been doing this all wrong my whole life. And just a little background on me. I'm close. I'm like close to a scratch golfer. I've been playing high level golf a long time. And yet after reading your book, I realized that a lot of my frustrations around golf and everyone's listening, their frustration is this idea that an instructor gave me an instruction and for some reason I'm just too dumb to figure out how to do it. And so part of the golf frustration comes from. Why is it that I can't do what my instructor told me to do? And your book, Play to Learn Golf, made me realize that it's not about my instructor. And I realized that all the, all the things I know about my golf swing, I learned on my own. I didn't have, and I've had some of the best instructors. And I've had people look at my golf swing, Michael. You know, I've been very lucky. So I would say to you, what was it like? When you first went away from the traditional, I'm Michael Hebron, this is how I teach golf, what was it like in the golf world when you came back and went, hey guys, well, we've been doing it all wrong? I was, well, I stay away from the word wrong. I, I said, you know, we, we if, if, if we were in a room full of 100 plus teachers, Everybody has their own belief system, okay? Which, which is fine. But the key is, the, the common denominator in that room is every coach wants their student to learn. Our profession, raising children, employers who are working with, uh, with uh, employees, any provider of information most of the time was sharing information in a way that didn't support learning. 
It was anti-nature of learning. So the information is the same, more or less, but the way it's presented is different. We can say something to some somebody. Let's say, hey, Dad, why should I keep cutting the lawn? Every time you tell, I cut it, you tell me I'm doing it wrong. Or a child comes home from school today. You know what I learned in school today? I, I'm no good at math. I, I, I can't spell. So traditional golf instruction was making a list of what's going wrong in the golf swing. That's right. And addressing it that, and addressing it that way, as opposed to working on if a 30 handicapper in a teaching environment would receive a list of several things that you're doing wrong, which I did at one time. In a learning environment, the 30 handicapper has nothing wrong. It's just not developed yet. It's on a journey of development. The common denominator in all of this is consistency doesn't exist. The greatest companies in the world aren't consistent. They handle the bad year or the bad day or the bad product better than everybody else. Tiger Woods has been the best adjuster in golf, not the most consistent golfer. He has been the best adjuster in golf. People who perform well in every capacity handle inconsistency different than people who don't perform well. People who, there's nothing to fix. There's only things to grow. Fixing isn't learning. So you stand there and try to fix something, that's a very negative approach as opposed to develop something. So in a learning environment, let's take the expression over the top. You know, in a teaching environment, that would be brought to their attention and some approach would be taken. In a learning environment, you might say to the person, um, let me see you at the inside of the golf ball or draw a line behind the ball and say, let me see your style. Never let the club go outside that line. It has to be a positive approach. The lesson isn't what I say. The lesson is what people take away. Right. That's why I call, that's why I call them sessions. So you develop problems for people to solve. You don't give them detailed information. During a learning environment, you're creating situations for people to, uh, Mr. Smith, let me see you play the ball too far forward. Now let me see you play the ball in the middle. Now let me see you play the ball in the back. Mr. Smith, let me see you hit the ball with an open club face, a closed club face, and a square club. You create learning situations where they learn to do things different. If I'm out practicing putting, and uh, let's say I miss a putt and I make the next one. Was it better or different? People tend to say it was better. Better doesn't exist. That second putt was different. It was more left, more right, slower, faster. There was something different about it. So you don't go to the first tee to be better. You go to the first tee to be different mm. because the putt you missed was actually your teacher right. for what to do different. I'm just a coach. The result is the teacher. I am the coach, I am the guider. If somebody hits a shot they like, I say, well, that's your, that's your teacher. I don't know how you did that. I mean, I have golf language, so I could describe it, but I actually don't know how you did that. And then the whole cornerstone is this, everything we do happens in the brain first. 
So the way we share information has to be compatible with the way the brain analyzes information. And it doesn't do well with details. It doesn't do well with negative. Everything's based on emotion. Fish swim, birds fly, and people feel. The emotional part of our makeup is right next to the learning part of the makeup of the brain. So everything we share with people has to be done in a way that's safe. Safe environment, safe emotional environment, not telling people what's going wrong or breaking it down into details. If I gave you a pie and I gave your partner a pie, and your partner's pie had the traditional eight slices, he doesn't have, have a whole pie anymore. He's hmm. got eight broken pieces. Some of it's on the plate, some of it's on the knife. A golf swing, well, you turn this, then that, this, this, that's, a, that's not a whole golf swing anymore. A golf swing has a beginning and an end, and nothing in the middle. It's just swinging. And the minute you break it into details, the brain doesn't function as well as seeing the whole picture. Um, hang on a second, Mike. Tim has a question. Yeah. So I actually have a question for, for Howard. Okay, I'll take your question now. What would you, what would you like to know? I could ask Howard his experience on his most recent golf venture and then get you, Mike, to bounce off of it. So uh, as, as Howard said, Mike, we had you on the show about a month or so ago, and uh, I said, and, and Howard knew he needed to, to read that book, Play play, play to golf, Learn Golf. And yeah. Play to Learn Golf. So he goes play away. Golf to Learn Golf. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So he goes away on his, uh, his golf sojourn, and I get I start getting these texts. Oh my God! You wouldn't believe your revelry, <laughs> Eureka! I've seen it. Mike Hebron is amazing. I said I just want to go live with Mike Hebron and like just to see what he's saying every day yeah, and wear and shave my head exactly. And eat out of a bowl. Um, so Howard, what I want to ask is, what was the key? What was, if there's one key sort of uh, I don't know Eureka moment or what was the key takeaway from you that you made a connection to Mike's to Mike's stuff? Well, Michael, I got to tell you, I, I read Play Golf to Learn Golf. And as I said, I started sending, you know, passages to friends of ours and people in the golf business and teachers. And I said, you know, I think they're because Tim and I have been doing a sh this show for many years around nibbling at the edges of what you talk about. One of the things I've been saying for a couple of years is golf, you can't play golf. You can't think about how to make a golf swing while you're playing the game. And, and you've said that in your book, the, the passage about uh, the, the tennis match or Tiger Woods saying, uh, you know, you cannot consciously think and play up to your potential. It's all done subconsciously. Right. right. So, so I hadn't played golf in a couple months. I read your book. I went away with my girlfriend. I had a chance to play a couple rounds. And I thought, okay, I'm going to – well, I'll tell you, the first thing in the book that resonated with me was the idea that we're all already – good enough you know being sort of as you said you know not being happy with where you are in your progress as opposed to always wondering you know being frustrated that you're not you know better than you than you think you should be to be sort of at ease with where you are and as i said i'm, I'm like a 0 0.9 handicap so i'm pretty good anyway go away haven't played for a couple months just read your book and all i thought of the the day i played the second round i played was i thought okay i'm just gonna picture the shot I want to hit and just be comfortable with the fact that somewhere in my body, I know how to hit that shot. And I had 
my lowest nine holes ever in my life. I shot uh, five under par on the front nine of a golf course I'd only played once. And not once in that nine holes was I thinking technically how to hit any shot. I just relied on the fact that somewhere in my body that that existed already. And uh, ended up, pardon me, sir? Do you drive your car fairly well? Fa- very well, actually. According to my, not according to my girlfriend, but according to me, I'm fantastic. But we don't know how we don't know how the car actually works. Not at all. Right, and we just take the two or three. We have a steering wheel, a brake pedal, and a gas pedal. Okay, and and, and that's we. If we cut a steak, we haven't learned to cut the steak. We've learned to use the knife. Right. The, the, the whole thing is using the tool. And accepting that that shot that went left isn't bad. It went left. It went short. It describing exactly what it was, not giving a negative description of it. Oh, it was short. Or, oh, it went left. It, you know, uh, it, it's one shot at a time. This swing does not have a past. It doesn't have a future. Mm-hmm. It's just now. It doesn't depend on what I did yesterday or what, what could possibly happen. And playing golf one shot at a time. There's a really neat book on that subject. It's called Golf from Point A. Really, really great book. Yeah, but, you know, it's funny. I, I was actually reading it before I started reading yours. I still have it to go. I just want to tell you, though, that my takeaway from those couple of rounds of golf was there was a different... I don't want to say freedom because it's too... Mindset. There was a different mindset. Based on the mindset. I I changed my mindset from wondering if I, you know, where my club was on the backswing. I just hit golf shots for 18 holes. You know, again, at a a pretty high level. I ended up shooting 69 on the day, but it wasn't the number. It was the way it felt to me. It felt just easier. Was it similar to Howard when you're on stage doing... So, so Mike, uh, Howard's a stand-up uh, comic as Hard well. to believe based on this conversation, but... He's actually a very funny man. Yeah, he is. Um, so, Howard, when you're on stage doing stand-up, are you thinking, well, okay, I need to structure the, the, the program this way, set up this joke, or oh, make sure you deliver... Uh, okay, really punch that one, or are you just could doing I, it? It's all happening unconsciously. Could I jump in for a second? Yes, please. Right After our, you're our guest. You- why do kids? Why do kids keep telling jokes that don't get laughed at? And adults won't tell a joke to a stranger. Emotions. This, right. The, the child's telling a joke. That's all he's doing. He's telling a joke. He's not trying to please anybody. He's not, but where an adult tells a joke, he makes sure it's funny and makes sure he wants to get it. The same with the golf swing. You know, when you go to you if we were playing tennis, we probably wouldn't get the feeling people were watching us. When people play golf, they feel everybody's watching us or evaluating us, et cetera, et cetera. That's that's the other thing about Tiger. He he he's in his own he's on his own planet. He's just he's just he's he's playing golf. He's not playing golf swing. In your book, you say accepting inconsistency is a big deal. Yeah, accepting that nobody on the first tee, the first tee, you can't predict what score you're going to shoot, and every shot's a surprise. And going out with that attitude that you're not, you pull into a parking lot, you don't say, well, I'm going to win the tournament this week. You pull into the parking lot and say, I'm going to play the best I can and take it and accept it. It's very interesting to me that guys that are champion golfers for years have a bad week on tour and go home and practice. That's just, that's being human. You're going to have 
you're going to have a bad week. What I was going to say, what I love, what I love, what you say in your book here. You say improving one's golf is not so much a matter of acquiring ability as it is a matter of becoming aware of an ability that already exists. Yes, the 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 brain. I learned this at Harvard. Uh, if we're we're successful for a while, okay, it's going to drop off, and then we start from a higher point the next time after a bad week or two, or whatever the performance is. So that's the way the brain the brain works. It it it, it goes to a peak, then it drops, and then it starts the next level at a higher place than it started originally. Um, so I, I, I turned into helping, giving people the tools to learn as opposed to giving them information about the golf swing. In being, which was kind of coming in the back door. So We have playing skills and we have swinging skills. I coach playing skills. Go ahead, Timmy. To, be, to, to put yourself in a place where you're willing to learn, does it also, Mike, do you think it means being able to be um, vulnerable? <laughs> Playing, yes. even though you may have some fear about something, you're going to go yes. ahead and do it anyways. Even though you might not score well, you may look not so good to your buddies or something like that. What well, role the, does that play? Yeah, the, the, I think the basic human nature is to be accepted or to be loved just to feel part of something. And yes, that, that, that's it. Learning, what happens during a session, good or bad, is not an evaluation of where the learning took place. What happens in a session, traditionally called a lesson, good or bad, is not an evaluation of where the learning did or did not take place. You can have a very, very rough training session. And I tell people to train, don't go practice. Doctors have a practice, lawyers have a practice after they train. When you go down to that area, go down with a training mindset, because if you don't like the shot, you won't be as tough on yourself if you're saying, hey, I'm practicing this. So with a training mindset, you go down and accept what the, what the game gives you that day. I got to spend some time with Hogan, and Hogan told me, when he was when he was getting ready to go play golf, whatever whatever he tended to do that day is what he played for. He tended to be a little high or a little low or a little left or whatever he played for. And he also told me, which I was shocked at, he didn't consider his golf swing his strength. Mm-hmm. He considered his golf swing was his management skills. He said, Michael, if I caddied for somebody that won a tournament, they'd win by five or six more shots. That I consider myself the best manager of my game. Everybody thought it was my swing, but it was my management skills. Well, it's like you say in the book. You said that you know golfers spend ninety percent of their training time on ten percent of what makes a golfer good. And I told somebody recently, I said Michael Hebron thinks the golf swing is only ten percent of the game, and they kind of looked at me and I said, "You just think well, about all the other things that go into making a player a player." It, and, and that's and that was me, by the way. I spent ninety percent of my time, ditto, trying to figure out where my club should be on the backswing of one swing. Where, you know, we've we've been going down this road for some number of years. But in your book, it all kind of coalesced for me, which is the the idea that every swing is different, and whatever the golf course is asking me to do is the swing I should try and hit. Now, whether that joke lands or not isn't the point. And it's like. 
Dave Chappelle said recently about stand-up. He said, you know, what is it about, you know, what if what if somebody doesn't like your bit or whatever? He goes, I don't care. I get paid for the effort. And it really is. It's the effort is the point of it. You're making the effort. If that shot doesn't come off, fine. But it's not trying to make a cookie-cutter swing on every single shot you're presented. Well, we can't. You can't even write your own names twice the same way. No two swings by any golfer since we've played golf have ever been the same. It just doesn't exist. And I explain, I explain this in more detail in, in my most recent book, Learning with the Brain and Mind, Mindsets Before Skill Sets, which has gained some traction. But, uh, yeah, everything, everything happens in the brain first. It's, uh, you walk on the green, you, 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 you look at the pot, and then you just do it. Because it's already your distance has already been taken care of. You've been putting forever, and I make a big deal out of time. Believe it or not, a little chip shot and a driver swing take the same amount of time from start up to impact. A full driver swing and a little putt. If the club is swinging, I make a big deal out of swinging the way to the club. If the club is swinging and doesn't have extra employees and not trying to do anything fancy with it. It's come, it comes from a physics called <coughs> resonance that the the apex, the starting point, and the finishing point take the same amount of time. I don't think tour players make bad swings. I think they get out of rhythm, which creates the bad swing. You know, it's all based on time. Yeah, how much is it, when a bad when a when you watch a tour player make a bad swing? How much do you, th- or a swing they don't like, okay? Um, how much do you think it's based on emotion, Mike? 100%. Everything's based 100% on emotions. Every, everything we do. You don't like that book. You like the emotions it creates. You don't like the comedian. You like the emotions it created when watching them. We don't like spaghetti. We like the emotions it creates. Everything's based on feelings. You should go home and tell your wife, I don't like you. I like the chemicals you create. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, I I, I can't recommend uh, Michael Hebron's books enough. And I'm going to go read the uh, the latest book, as you mentioned, the the one that came out a couple years ago. Uh, You just mentioned it, and I've already... Offspring Secrets and Lies, and then... Learning with the Brain in Mind. Correct. That's about out, out for about a year. Yes. So nowadays, and I say this, I'm going to uh, tell you this selfishly because you know one day I'd like to wander into your into your golf course and just uh, hang out with you for an hour. If somebody came to see you now and you live about an hour from New York, what uh, what what happens in a Michael Hebron golf session now? If someone came to spend some time with you. I, I, I know you don't call them lessons, but what what's that session like nowadays? Well, that would depend on who the person was. I, I couldn't tell you what it's going to be like. I, I, I couldn't. We would, we would basically, we would sit down and chat. I'd try to learn a little about the person, um, what they did for a living, and then I would try it. If learning is based, metaphors and stories are very powerful in learning. So if somebody was a doctor or a lawyer or a car dealer, I would try to create metaphors from their background that would parallel what they were trying to accomplish with golf. Um, I would, I start by having people putt, okay? And an awful lot of people uh, have a putting stroke that's one, two. 
and I would ask them, I, I would hold up a, a putter and swing it like a pendulum, and I'd say, why do people call this one, two? One, two. And I, my answer is, of course, they're sheep. Everybody calls it one, two. It's a one. One, one, one. From the beginning to the end, it's a steady motion. It could be fast, medium, or slow. And that's kind of where I start. Okay. Somebody... If somebody had a one-two putting stroke, I'll ask them to put with one hand on the club, and it usually turns out to be more rhythmical. Mm. And I'll say, well, is there a difference? And they say, yes. I say, well, that's kind of what we're going to start with, getting your swing to be more rhythmical and timing and rhythm. And then we, we always start around the, the putting green and the work larger, and I spend a lot of time on the golf course with people. Uh, my golf course uh, has an 18-hole golf course and a 9-hole golf course, a par 3 course that I call the learning links, where you play to learn. Big sign. Welcome to the learning links, where you play to learn. So I try to get people, uh, the range isn't golf. I try to get people on the golf course. A brand new golfer, I'll bring them out on the golf course. I'll, I'll, drive, out, I'll drive out with the clubs on a cart to the green, the first green. And I'll say, this is the club we use here, and drive back. This is the club we use here, and drive back, all the way back to the tee. When we walk onto a basketball court or a tennis court, we kind of get the sense of the game. In golf, the range doesn't give you the sense of the That's game. Right. So That's right. That's right, yeah. Golf course and, and show them that. Um, I might ask somebody, what's the big idea in basketball? The big idea is to shoot up, because the basket's up. So what's the big idea in tennis? Get it over the net. Than that, which is the big idea in business, make a profit. The big idea in golf is swing the weight of the club. That's all we're trying to do is swing the weight of the club. We're not trying to break it into parts. We're not trying to do anything fancy. Swing the weight of the club. Michael, I, I want to go ahead. You know, that's that's kind of the flavor of the first introduction to me with somebody. But it'd be ba- it would be based on what they were trying to accomplish and how they were trying to get to Main Street. I asked them to give me a, you know, I'm your uncle, I don't play golf, what would you help me to do? Right. So I get some sense of what, how they're trying to get to Main Street. I want to ask you, I want to ask you selfishly, because there was one thing, there was one concept in the book that I understood, but not completely. And it was the idea, there's a chapter on the rules of golf, not the, the laws of golf, as you call them, I think. And, and you say the laws of golf are fairly simple. The shaft is ahead of the club head, the club oh, face. The golf, the golf club laws. The golf club laws. That's right. And, 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 well, I, the golf I, laws. and I golf understood. The golf laws come after. Well, I wanted to say about the, the golf club laws because I was trying to, yeah. to, I was talking about this with my, my lady friend who is just starting golf. And I got her started last summer. And, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out what to do with her this summer in terms, because she wants to take lessons. But after I read your book, I'm like, I don't even know who to send her to. But back to the laws of the club head. So here's my question. I understand the shaft. The way the club is built, the shaft is ahead of the, the shaft's ahead of the uh, face. But you said the club. We have a shaft, we have a head, and we have a face. So right? what's the difference? That's the question. I didn't understand. Why do you think there's a distinction between the face and the head of the club? How does that, where's the distinction in the motion? Can the, with your golf background, could the head be behind your hands? As you come to the ball? Yes. And could the face be pointing in one of three ways? Yes. 
That's the difference. Okay, so the face is the way the head is pointing. The head is the, the position behind the shaft. Right. Yeah. The, the, we have a path, and the head is either behind or in front of my hands. On some shots, flop shots, it could be in front, and the face is either open, closed, or square. Okay. I, I thought that's what it was. I just wanted to, because when I'm reading the book, I'm thinking, wait till I ask Michael this question. One of my favorite quotes, know. one of my favorite Hebron quotes is, a picture is worth a thousand words only when words are not used to describe it. Yep. The minute you describe a tree, it's not a tree anymore. It's something in your perception based on your belief system. Everything's based on your belief system, you know? Well, thank you for having me on the show, guys. Uh, I... Uh, I really appreciate everything you're gonna you do for golf, and uh, to include me, I, I really appreciate it. Well, sir, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, one day, I don't know. Can I? You, you, do you still go to work every day? Do you still teach? Yep. Hang out at your course there? Yep. I'm really? Going right, I'm going back out right now. Yep. Well, one day, if I if I were lucky enough to wander into your uh, your raised yard, I'd hope to yes, have a sure. chance. Please do. We could uh, maybe we could do a radio show from the place. Well, That'd you know what? We could. If that's the if that's the uh, uh, the entry, I would definitely bring something to record it because, <laughs> as you can tell, I'm uh, a guy that's been playing the game for forty seven years uh, and getting instruction in a certain way. To hear about someone like you that has synthesized the information in a completely different way, and I'm not even sure if today gave it uh, uh, its due because there's so much to it. We just stripped off a few onion layers. <laughs> well, thanks again, guys. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Happy Patty Day. Okay, oh, yes, there's absolutely. that. Yeah, that's right. That's coming up. All right, sir. Take care. Bye. That's Michael Bye-bye. Hebron. That's Michael Hebron. I don't even know. Did that work? I have no idea. I just love the guy so much. It's ridiculous. Well, he's one of those, wow, really deep. Thinkers oh, yeah. uh, immersed in the game in a, in a way that I think for a lot of our listeners, uh, it might be tough to get into into yep. that when you first. It's kind of like settling in at a baseball game. You know, I I know when I get to a game, it's like okay, when's stuff going to happen? You kind of have to wait for for Mike Hebron. So, folks, if you found a part of it, you know, kind of hard to get through because it was kind of deep. And when I just go back and listen to it again, there's so much richness there. But it, it's not stuff. It's like Fred Shoemaker. You can't explain this stuff in two minutes. Yeah, I find it hard. You know, Nick uh, Turkillo, another friend of ours, has been on the show, and also a, a very heady guy. A lot more than you know, Nick's a. Uh, a lot different than I think a lot of people that take lessons from him really get because Nick has got some good, very Hebron-esque stuff. One of the things Nick told me, and Nick's a very fine player himself, mm-hmm. he told me that once I've decided, excuse me, on the shot to hit, when you go to the golf ball, you can no longer use any words. And I didn't really understand what he meant. And he told me this last summer about having no more words over the ball, like even what my you know my whatever little swing thought you're going to have and hebron said the the way the, the same thing he said the best way a golfer's mind can communicate with his body is to picture and feel the shot beforehand and then in brackets no words because and and i wish i could have asked him about this one of the things he says in the book is words muscles don't understand words absolutely your body and that gets to and connects with what you talk about with the shoemaker 
which is your body, you have to feel it's your body. It's your brain telling your body, this is what we're going to do. But in, in, a, in a non-communicative way, in a, in a non-wordy way, the same way that, you know, we throw a football without thinking about how. For some reason, golfers, myself included, didn't, don't trust that we also know how. And I think it gets back to what we talked about in our previous show with George Durrani. A lot of it's fear. We want to do this thing right. And we want to be seen that we're doing it right. And we, we put enough work into it. I know that's some of my own stuff for sure. But I think it's a common experience is that we want to be competent. And that shows up in our, in our golf games. Um, what we don't have is faith in our body to do these yes. things. And like I use this example all the time. Um, say, you know, I slip on some ice, my body's able, whoo, and I readjust myself and get my balance. There's no thinking, and your body just does amazing things. And I think what, you know, what Mike said, he made the comparison to uh, driving a car or whatever. Cutting do, a steak. We do this all subconsciously with the tool. So, so and here's something I'm going to connect with, uh, man, we should you're talk about, this would be a get, would be Pia Nielsen on our show. Oh, yeah. I love the piece they teach about pre-shot routine and so that is you've got think box play box you get to the so you can draw an imaginary line between you and the ball and on one side of it is the think box and you're going to get my data analyze the analyze the the yardage the wind the lie all this stuff okay i'm going to hit this shot once you cross that line and you're in the play box no more words Mm -hmm. it's just in the shot let her go. But and, and this this would again, I, you know, I, I think I understand. I feel I'm starting to understand more about what you've been sort of preaching for the last couple of years. I get it a little bit more uh, having now read Hebron. But that idea, that, what, what is it about our our? We hang on so much to tradition, the way we were taught. Why can't we go to the golf ball and just say to ourselves? Like I, like I, again, this isn't all brand new to me. I, I had a lot of these breakthroughs last summer, but I will tell you, the idea that Hebron talks about the unconsciously becoming unconsciously aware of your options, and then just saying to yourself, "I'm okay," not thinking about what you know this guy said or what that swing thought was. I'll just go ahead and hit this shot without expectations or wondering about the result. Just the best I can, and then I'll hit an, I'll, and then I'll hit another one after that. So much is like he said, and again, we talk with Durrani and maybe even Ed is around so much of how we view ourselves and what goes on in the world is based on our past experience. And unfortunately, our negative experiences usually impact us more. Yes. So if we've, yeah. made, if we've made a mistake, we feel like we've embarrassed ourselves or made the mistake or something like that. Instinctively, our brains want that not to happen. So we go to this place of. Don't make that mistake again, which is a fear place. And we give that a lot of energy. Yes. Uh, Evershed told me this years ago. He said, try and give your good shots more energy than your bad shots. And I didn't really know what he meant. Oh. But if you think about it, you know, you look at the example of Sergio and Tiger. Sergio freaking out in that in that bunker a few weeks ago. And then Tiger making a quad. And just the, the walk between 17 and 18 at the players, he, he had no change in his demeanor because he was just moving on. Absolutely. Um, This is another great Hebron quote. He says, avoid how-to instruction. You'll love this. Which is an order from the mind of one person, the instructor, to the body of another person, the student. And that's why it's impossible. One of the things he said about, you know, we've all, for some reason, we don't trust that we've all hit chip shots 
to a near pen over a hump in the green or a bunker. We just, but we're so caught up in what if this doesn't, what if I don't pull this off? What if I skull it? What if I skull it? What if I do all these things wrong? And that's why we freeze up. And we were talking about a student of yours with some chipping issues. But anyone with any issues, myself last summer, I was three putting and four putting. And I just was so caught up in this. Now I'm a shit putter. But Stare, an actual, it, whoa, oh, Exactly. <laughs> so I go and play these two rounds on the Turks and Caicos last month. I play 36 holes. I never three putt because I'm reading this book of Hebron's and going, I'm a great putter. I, I, I know how to putt. From the first moment I walked on the putting green with somebody else's golf clubs, I was just rolling balls. So I hit one three feet by. So what? Now I'm going to go to that target and see what my body feels about that because I, I have acquired enough skill. And most people who listen to our show, uh, I didn't explain it well, but one of the things Hebron says at the beginning of the book is you need to get comfortable with who you are right now in the game. And if you're a 10 handicap, you shouldn't get mad because you're not a four handicap that day. You just be a, be a 10 handicap that day and enjoy that day's outing at your level. I think, I think there's a thing in golf because we've all hit tour level shots-ish. We've all hit amazing golf shots. We somehow think that if we don't, we're shitty. Yeah. And we're not. We're always like, why, why aren't we just happy right in that moment? Why not make a big deal of it? You just nutted this drive, and you just love it. Why not just exult in that instead of kind of do this Frank Mahovich thing? Well, I'm kind of supposed yeah, to do well, that. So I'm going to just put the, put the driver <laughs> in, the, in, in the bag, and there I go. That's right. Look I at me. I remember playing with Henry Brunton one time, who's another a great teacher, great coach. Yeah. And this is years ago when the movie uh, Tin Cup just came out. And uh, I'm playing with Henry uh, Lionhead, the, mass, the, the Legends course, and he hits this drive, and he just yells. The ball is not like, to me, it's the, he just made contact, and he yells at the top of his voice, tuning fork! <laughs> <laughs> and so what he was doing, like I figured out, I knew it right away, he was like ingraining that feeling of that awesomeness of hitting that shot, as opposed to what I can do and well, I, I do too. I, I you just kind of like uh, whatever. Oh shucks, don't I do that all the time? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's just who I am. But you know, snipe one out of bounds. Oh my god, that's oh yeah. You, you give it so club. much negative emotion, and that's what the brain remembers. So and again, it, so it comes back to what I got. Excuse all the paper. Tim's right. been taking notes yeah, like furiously. <laughs> I want to remember this stuff. So just like Hebron was saying, so much of the way we view ourselves, the way we take in new information is all based on our past experience. So part of it, I think what we talked even with George Durrani in our last show is just be okay with who you are and, and just kind of be with it. And that takes courage. He says, by embracing being who we are and our current skill level. The self in self-discovery and self-assessment is upgraded, supporting one's pace of progress. I mean, that's a guy that he's taught tour players. He's a PGA Tour, a PGA of America, Hall of Fame and all that stuff. And he's saying we need to just be okay with being at the level we're at because then self-discovery can happen. But if you're already always frustrated on every occasion, whether you're training or playing, if you're frustrated because you, you aren't happy with being who you are, of course it's frustrating. If you expect that you should be better than you are, it's always going to be shitty. The irony of this is is just amazing to me, is that we are 
always much greater than we generally think we are. We yeah. just so much get in our own way that we self-sabotage and we suppress what's called our own gold. So we talked about shadow with George Durrani. So we generally think of shadow as all those dark parts of ourselves. We, you know, we're not, don't get angry, don't do this. We actually suppress more of our own gold, the, the, the beautiful parts of us, the great parts of us. We suppress more of that. So what George and and, and what uh, Michael Hebron is saying is like, be when you when you're okay with yourself, you actually bring out more of your gold and and your more your abilities can shine. I when I can let go of the result and be worried about something, sometimes I hit some shots and go like, wow, where did that come <laughs> no, from? I know. I, somehow it came from me. Don't know how, but it happened. You know, he has a. I've got so many Hebron things. He said. Uh, we get upset at bad shots because we think they're going to happen again. Absolutely, that's where that's we get up. Anger's all about. And I would say we get up. Absolutely, it is. I was, you know, making the connection with your your buddy George that we get upset in traffic because we think every day should be just golden sunshine and butterflies. <laughs> but part of the reason we get frustrated in traffic is we think it's never going to clear up. And you know, I can tell you from those two rounds I played, we hadn't even finished his book. But it co- like I said to him, it coalesced so many things that I've been working toward, you know, first overcoming myself emotionally and then trying to sort out what kind of swinger of a club I can be. And uh, and I remember the feeling, especially in the round where I'm like, I'm five under, I'm five under par, I par 10, I won't take it to my round, but I par 10, I lip a birdie putt on 11. And like I just lipped out, hard lip out. I could have gone six under par. I'm five under par, and and I'm feeling a little butterflies. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely feeling it, but I never lost my commitment to the idea that I wasn't going to try and fix any bad swing. I was going to accept. I'm playing with somebody else's golf clubs, and even after I made a couple of, you know, I say sloppy bogeys, but they were just with the shorter clubs in this set. I won't say what brand they were because they weren't tailor made, <laughs> but they were a fine brand of golf clubs. Uh, the, I found the 56 and the 52 degree wedges a little bit weird for me because they were from a different set. And so I made a couple of bogeys, but I made sure that on the way in, I wasn't going to just get to the end of this round. I was going to be as engaged with every shot. And I got to tell you, I had good birdie chances the last four holes. My point, though, is at no time was I... I was just feeling was I just wanted to look at every shot and go, what is this? What should I do here? And then not how should I do it? What shot? Because I can hit any shot. And I was hitting these shots and I'd look up and go, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, like that kind of is. And some of them didn't go where I was looking, but I just kind of got on with it and tried to get up and down and whatever. But I, I felt so different playing after reading his book. That's why, you know, when I got home and I told you, I said, we got to get him back <laughs> because I can I, I can only tell you, it's not like. We, we both have been talking about these things for a long time, but it was a real, I wouldn't say an epiphany, but it was a real coming together of a lot of ideas. You know, it's funny. So we, so I think this is podcast number 87 or 88. So we've been doing it this long. Yeah. I've been talking about it in a certain way. And you, and <laughs> what you're saying is that you read the Hebron book and you get it. To me, it's kind of like a couple and, and, and the, and the one partner saying to the other, you know, you should do this and you should do this. And you're like, yeah, good, whatever. <laughs> and then, and then, I then, know. You, then your buddy says to yourself, you know, you could do this. And then you come back to your partner going, Hey, you know, I should do this. I've been telling you this I for two know, years. Well, I, and, and listen, if you go back and listen to the show, I've been saying 
to some of these same things yes, as well. Have. Yes, you have. I'm um, having fun with it. No, but... I know you are. And, and it's not like I didn't pay attention to what no, you no. were saying or what we were talking about. <laughs> but but listening to, I, I don't know what it was. He just has such a simple way of putting it. Oh, and yeah. I got to try it out while I was reading the book. Your own experience. You experienced it for yourself. And that, again, that comes back to what we've been talking about forever on this show. Is that your own? Stop searching for greatness in a book or someone else's instruction or what someone tells you to do. You've got it in you. Draw it out, but you have to discover it and yeah. be open to it. And and, and and it is it is trusting our past experiences. And as he says, even outside of golf, you know, I started thinking about you know I, I I'm I've been. I've got good hand-eye coordination. I've been pretty athletic my whole life. <clears throat> so when I throw a football, you know, it's a fairly similar physical motion to making a full golf swing. Well, it's a spatial thing. It's a spatial thing. So there are things in those. I, I want to finish this off by asking you the question. So what do I do? Like last night I was out for dinner with Rachel and we were talking about because she's really very interested in playing golf. And I took her out last year and I showed her kind of how to hold the club a little bit and she picked it up very quickly but I just she said to me oh, I want to start taking lessons you know real lessons and I'm like I said I really don't know what to tell you right now I don't know who to send you to do I send her to Evershed do I send her to you do I send her to Nick do I send her to uh you know, uh, Carrie at uh, Glen Abbey. I'll stop you there. Earlier in the show, you mentioned that. I went, I just pointed it at you. You, dude, are, you can coach her just fine. And all all you really need to do is ask her some questions. You know, wh- what are you trying to do? Oh, I'm trying to hit this shot to this, to this pin here, say chipping or something like that. Okay, so tell me what you think you should do. Okay, where, where do you want to land it? All that. And then she hits the shot and says, what did you feel there? What happened there? And then you hit another. What was different between that swing and that swing? And just draw her out, and she'll she'll figure it okay, out. Okay, wait a second. You've been married for a long time, and your <laughs> advice to me is to take this woman I've been with for 15 months, you who I really like. <laughs> you know, one thing I will do. I, actually, I wouldn't mind it. I w- actually, now that I think of it, I, I wouldn't. It wouldn't be. It might be interesting to have to have you have a. A little time with her, but I'm gonna. What I'm gonna do is take her to the Rattler now, the nine-hole course at Rattlesnake Club Link, um, <laughs> and uh, go to the green because I've never. Absolutely. She's she's followed me around. She she's only been on the golf course a couple of times. She followed me at the Mid Am. She followed me the entire first round in the Turks and Caicos when I shot like 74, and again hit it great in a very difficult win. But I've never. We've never really gone and played around at the golf course, so I'm gonna go. To do that, I'm going to start at the green. Absolutely, we'll start just hitting some putts and starting to hit some chips. And just and just that experience of here's this little white thing, and I want to get it over there. And what's the experience that she has f- making that connection to that? And what's what is she feeling? And what she un- what's she experiencing? Right. And then just grow it to the chip shots, to pitches, and all that. I just hope that in, in like a year from now, when someone's listening to Swing Thoughts, and she and I aren't together anymore. Uh, anyway, well, in some semi seriousness, the the, I, the key to all this is no judgment. Yeah, not you know, you don't even even she hits one great, you don't even need to say that was great. Ask her what was that like. That felt good. Okay, yeah. all right. And and, and she's kind of like she's very strong, very athletic, and she's very early on got the motion of the club swinging and hitting the golf ball up in the air. 
And and it was very, very early on, like maybe the second or third time we went to her driving range. She loves it. And she's the one pushing it. She's like, I really want to learn to play. I really want to get on a golf course. And I said to her last night at dinner, I said, so what is your, what's the end goal of that for you? She said, I'm interested in learning the game. And she said, you know, maybe one day down the road, you know, if you and I were away, I went, stop right there. <laughs> I said, if that's where you think this thing is going. And she laughed. Anyway, kids, there you go. That's that another fun. That another fun. episode fun. of The Swing Thoughts, uh, TaylorMade. Uh, well, by the time, uh, I guess by the time we do another show, we will have been fit for these drivers. Yes, I'll have, and I'll have a new, new wedges, too. Yeah, me too. I'm excited. Yeah, we're getting new wedges. Uh, I want driver three-wood hybrid. Um, do you think club link courses might be open by then? No, uh, I think early April. Our, our next show that we're going to tape will be a couple weeks from now. So it's Saturday, March 16th is when we're recording this, the same day we recorded the uh, episode with George Durrani. Uh The uh, Players is on. I think the um, the next time will be, a, yeah, it'll be getting close, though. Yeah, yeah. You never know. March is supposed to be mild for once. Tim O'Connor, uh, O'ConnorGolf.ca. Uh, if you want to get a hold of him, here's his email. What's your email? Uh, Tim at O'ConnorGolf.com. <laughs> I had to remember it's there. Picking up. Yeah, and make sure you listen to HumbleAndFredRadio.com, also available on Funny Something. Funny 820. There you go. And uh, now uh, we debuted that. on Twitch TV. Uh, for some of you old men, don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> ask your kids how to that, how to get it. Uh, that, it's pretty cool. That new stuff. And... Uh, so what do you think? Should I? Because uh, here's the thing. You know where you know where this is headed for me with uh, Mr. Hebron. Yeah, because <laughs> Charlie, you're gonna drive down. Well, my daughter oh, yeah, lives. Yes. My daughter lives in Brooklyn, just outside. She lives like you can see the you can her. She's across the river, the East River from New York. But I looked it up because um, I was visiting her. You looked it up. I looked up how close she is to <laughs> where George lives. <laughs> I said to Charlie, I said, I'm coming to visit you this summer, but I said, I'm going to rent a car this time. She said, why? I said, because I'm dr- driving out to Long Island where this guy, Michael Hebron. Do you think I should send him a note and say, Mr. Hebron, can I come and yes, hang with I, you for a morning? Mr. Hebron, can I touch the hem of your garment? I know. I'm such a fucking nerd. It's ridiculous. <laughs> we all are, dude. I love him so much. <laughs> anyway, uh, there you go, kids. There's another episode. Thanks to Adidas, TaylorMade, and Clublink. And uh, we'll see you next time. You get a shiver in the dark, it's raining in the park. But meantime, sound of the river, you stop and you hold everything. A band is blowing Dixie, double fall.